0: Welcome to another edition of the Never-Ending Glory Baseball Podcast. This is Reggie. I'm joined by... Oh, that was a terrible job by me. Poorly produced already. I'm uh, joined by Nick in Akron, Nick Schill, and Martin Cardinal. Fellas, what's going on tonight? How are you guys doing?
1: Good, man. We just had a, a uh, great league weekend uh, this past weekend. so It's Thursday now, so I think we're all recovered and uh, ready to get after it. I'm still so with my... my Oakland Athletics, on finger,
2: my Steven Piscotty jersey. Loving what the A's are doing right now. Loving it.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we pretty much nailed that one last week, and especially you. Uh, but let's talk about that league weekend here for a minute. That's a good place to start. I'm currently wearing my uh, League from the Ville t-shirt. Thanks to the Monday Night Man for hooking us up with that. Uh, let's talk about the uh, the league draft that was uh, on Saturday last weekend. Um, Nick Schill, you had – let me see here. Let me pull this up. You had the – what thirteenth pick? Yes. What, how do you like your squad? Break it down for me. Um, I mean,
1: I never really love it, but um, you know, I expect perfection. And as I stare across my kitchen here and look at the trophy in my house for probably the fourth time in the last eight years, uh, I think I'm going to be all right.
0: Wow. Uh, what? I mean, I mean, I'm looking at your team here: Tom Brady, Michael Thomas, Cream Hunt. Not a bad threesome to start. Yeah, I I took Hunt at 13, but that's only because Beckham and Michael Thomas was there,
1: and I was assuming the um, Shrek was at 14. I didn't think he would go running back, running back, so I took Kareem Hunt there and um, was just going to take whatever wide receiver fell to me. So, Uh, like my team, it doesn't have a whole lot of upside, I don't think, outside of like Corey Clementin's. Maybe like OJ Howard, but um, I think I'll be solid enough to maybe sneak into the playoffs. And uh, if I get in, I usually win it. I mean, that's just how it goes. I'm like the Florida Marlins.
0: So. <laughs> You're like Scott Stapp. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Martine. Yes. Martine, you had the fifth pick, and you went with. Uh, I'm trying to find. Uh, Dalvin Cook. Is that right? I traded back, but yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. I was going to say, I, I didn't change the order on my roster sheet. Not, you went back went back to nine, is that right? Correct. Okay, so how do you like the team?
2: Well, unlike Shell, I also feel good, or just like Shell because I don't have the This Guy Sucks trophy sitting in my basement right now. So uh, it's good to get that burden off my shoulders. But uh, love my team. The only thing I really wasn't a fan of was what we did in round five. We took Mark Ingram in round four, so we kind of were pressured to take another running back for the – four weeks, and Ronald Jones uh, didn't exactly raise his stock with his poor performance in the first preseason game, but it's still early. I'm not sure how I feel about him, but uh, I-, I like our mix of upside and safety, and uh, I thought we got a steal with Kirk Cousins late in the eighth round um, at the very end of the eighth.
0: Yeah, I was not happy when he made that pick in case you couldn't tell. Yeah, uh, yeah. so I-, I was pleased.
2: I'm happy. We'll, we'll see what happens. Well, it's been a rough go for Foz and I since we got back in. We've kind of been the Cleveland Browns. Um, I think we came in last in 11th, the two years since we've uh, been put back in the league. So we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, I, I had Cousins locked and loaded there, and you took them right ahead of me. And so I ended up going with uh, Jimmy G as my QB. Uh, and, of course, I had the number one pick and went with Gurley. And after much consternation, I was very close to taking Zeke. Uh, but ultimately, decided to go with the quote-unquote safe route. Since I had Gurley last year, I figured if you would have told me that I could keep a guy, I would keep him, you know, no questions asked. So, went with him. Jarek McKinnon's my RB2. That's always a little bit nervous, a little bit nerve-wracking. I have three 49ers, too, which is uh, a little concerning. But, uh, overall, yeah, I like my team. We'll see what happens. Uh, It was a great weekend. Great job by everybody in the league, making it kind of an old-school weekend, back to our younger days when we had uh, a lot more freedom on our hands and – Good time had by all. You had an interesting side bet with the Monday Night Man too on Friday night with a heated discussion about the Tribe and the Red Sox, man.
2: I'll tell you what. It's always a uh, it's always a battle when you go head-to-head against both and brothers. Um, but I did it. I went toe-to-toe, and I feel good about the bet that came out of it. I believe it was $50. Um, and you're going to you're gonna have to give me the details of it again. All I know is that I really like the Red Sox. <laughs> and the, the
0: it, it All it is is Tribe versus Red Sox. Who advances further in the postseason? So. Uh,
2: I mean, is there anything better than free money? I'll tell you that it's fifty dollars that I already have in my pocket. It feels
0: good. I'm already starting to plan what I'm going to spend it on. And, and show, uh the highlight of your weekend had to be your first time on the craps table. Oh it, yeah, and
1: um, I don't know if it was my first time or I don't correct me if I'm wrong, Reggie. I think it was the di- the dynamics of the table. Um, myself and the Monday Night Man on one end. And then it was you and Sean Z on the other end, and it was just a lot of fist pumping, a lot of high fives, and uh, table fell in love with us. And
0: that, that's I, the key.
1: I, I don't, I don't yeah. know if you want to get into Josh Cribb's story, but that well, it's phenomenal. I, I mean,
0: the only thing—if you play craps, you know this—the the, the key to craps is getting off to a good start. That is huge. So if you're at a good table with a lot of you know friends or people that like to have a good time, and someone gets hot early. It, it just sets you up for a really nice night. On the other hand, you could also go in the tank in the first 10, 15 minutes, and it becomes a real downer right away. So luckily we were next to a guy wearing a Josh Cribbs jersey T-shirt, and he got really hot to start us off. And then it went back around him for another roll later in the evening, and he got really hot again, and we all cleaned up on it. So props to Josh Cribbs, wherever he may be, somewhere in West Virginia. But uh, he made us a lot of money that, uh, that last weekend. So uh, it was, and also, show I should point out, uh, league outing champion. You and Monday Night Man and uh, Chad Jones. Shout out Jonesy Red Riders. League outing champs.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not surprising the league weekend that I win again. But uh, uh, and a little side note: if it wasn't for uh, Mother Nature trying to rub it in, I, be, I truly believe Monday Night Man, myself, and Martine uh, we're going to take that second eighteen as well.
0: Well, uh, I'll say, I'll say this: we. Uh, I was with Sean Z and uh, Joe Arch, and we bogeyed the first hole, and somehow grinded it out to a minus three, and we figured we'd finish two or three strokes back. And little did we know, when we got to the 18th hole, we had about a 15 or 20 footer to tie you guys, and uh, couldn't make it fall. But uh, yeah, it ended up being a lot more. Competitive. It ended up being a lot more competitive than we thought. What's that? Sean Z, he make that? He did not make that, and neither did either of us. Is a loser. <laughs> okay. Enough about that. Let's let's get into the uh, the topic at hand, which is baseball. And uh, Martin kind of laid it out at the beginning there with his tribe bet versus the Red Sox. That that bet got a little bit more uh, interesting for him with the news really shortly after we left uh, the weekend that Trevor Bauer was injured uh, taking a line drive off the ankle and uh, originally it looked like he was going to be okay said so he'd be back for his next start then the swelling went down and they found a, a minor stress fracture in his ankle. So that makes things a little bit more interesting for the Indians going forward. I mean the regular season at this point is academic. The Indians have won six series in a row. they were 12 and three in their last 15 games. just like we said in our last podcast they you know they're going to go on a nice little run because of the teams that they're playing. Really, the only th- things left to talk about are the things that can keep this team from advancing in October, and that's certainly uh, Trevor Bauer being injured is one of those. So uh, I'll start with you, Martin. Uh, the, the, obviously, we know the significance of the injury if he can't come back. You know, What do you think the timetable is going to be? Uh, if he's able to come back in the regular season, should they allow him to come back and pitch just so he can get some rhythm down before the postseason, or is this a, uh, you know, keep on the shelf for the uh, postseason type of situation?
2: I'm not sure. You know, it's, I think it's just one of those tricky things. Anytime you deal with a pitcher's lower half um, with all the, you know, the movement and the hard landing and the pushing off, I think it's tough to kind of gauge you know, how quickly someone can come back from that. Obviously, Trevor's a, you know, he's a gamer. He's a tough guy. Um, if, he, if there's any glimmer of hope of him coming back, I, I'm sure he's going to try and do it. Uh, the nice thing is, I think that even with him out, I, I still don't hate their, I mean, obviously it hurts them, but at least that's their deepest position. It's not like it was three years ago where they were missing two starters and, you know, they couldn't even field a full playoff rotation. They still have, you know, four solid ones, obviously the Beaver, them being the fourth one. So it, it, we'll have to see. Um, luckily, like you said, it's not like there's any real pressure to hurry him back. They're not going to really need him until, you know, the end of September, maybe if they want to get him a few innings.
0: Yeah, the thing that worries me a little bit about Bauer is, you know, he's such a routine-oriented guy that you wonder what time on the shelf could do for a guy like that who's as regimented as he is. He doesn't seem like he's the kind of guy that's real flexible. Hopefully there's things he can do to keep his arm in shape while he's down for the count with his legs. Go ahead, Shell. See,
1: I, <laughs> I'm in a boat. I, maybe I'm, I feel like I'm a little more worried than Martin. I feel like he needs a couple starts um, if he does come back. Um, If he's not able to or, you know, can't really get a couple starts under his belt before October, I really feel that knowing Tito and his history, I think we're going to go three-man rotation with, um, you know, let's say Bauer can come back for like one start or maybe, you know, a couple innings here or there. I really see that then going to a three-man rotation and having Bauer – possibly be that bridge guy, um, you know, if someone goes short in the fourth or fifth inning to uh, get us to the sixth, to get to the back end of the bullpen where, you know, we got three really good arms. And, um, but I, I, I'm i truly worried about this because uh, we can talk about this as well. Kluber's not the same Kluber he's been before. That uh, that cutter's more of a, I uh, hope you don't swing at it and look at it pitch, not a whole, you know, swing and miss pitch anymore. So, uh, it's got me worried. I really hope he can come back, maybe get three starts under his belt, and because um, I, I really want to go four starters and not this um, trying to go deep in the postseason with uh, three starters.
0: Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you this, Martine, um, with regards to Kluber. I mean, we've seen now his last few starts have been a lot better. Um, the Minnesota start that I think we were both at that game on th- uh, last Thursday. He gave up four runs, but uh, sandwiching that, he threw a complete game shutout, a three-hitter against the Angels, and seven innings of uh, five-hit ball, one-run run against the Reds, seven and a third against the Tigers, one run. So he's strung together some good outings here recently. He's still not getting the strikeouts that he was before. There's been talk about him changing his arm angle. Um, and people were talking about his arm slot was being too um, was too low his pitches were flattening out because the arm slot was too low. Have you seen anything recently from Kluber in his good outings that would lead you to believe that maybe he's turning a corner and getting back to the guy that he was?
2: You know, I don't. Um, I still – I you know, we were texting about it a little bit during the game that we were both at. You just can't put left-handers away. He's, I mean, those guys, are they're fouling pitches off constantly. He's throwing – seven, eight, nine pitches to average left-handed bats. He just doesn't have a pitch right now. The only pitch he has that can possibly out a lefty is the two-seamer that comes back in. But that's not really a swing and miss pitch as much, much as it is just a pitch that kind of freezes a guy because it sneaks up under their arms. Um, so, you know, I'm I, you know, i looking at the stats right now. I mean, lefties are only hitting two oh nine. Uh Against him, uh, you know, as opposed to 200 last year, which I guess you could say is a, a relatively big jump. But the K rates down um, against left-handers significantly. Um, last year, 94 innings, he had 115 strikeouts against lefties. This year, he's got 84 strikeouts in 80 innings, which, yes, is still above a K per, or you know a K per inning, but it's not the same dominance that we're seeing. That's my biggest concern against a team that has some left-handed bats. I think that's when he struggles. The good thing is that the teams that they're probably going to see in the playoffs are more right-handed heavy in the AL. You look at Boston with Mookie and Xander Bogarts and JD Martinez, obviously Ben and left-handed. The Yankees have Judge and Stanton, both right-handed bats. You've got uh, Houston. If they end up winning the division, you've got Evan Gaddis, Jose Altuve, George Springer, Carlos Correa, all right-handed bats. So in that regard, it's good, but I just, I'd like to see some of that, you know, the the, the slider that starts out down the middle and comes in on the guy's hands and it kind of, you know, dies. So that was the pitch that he used to get left, left-handers out with. That's what I want to see these last couple starts. But guys are holding off on it and waiting for those 2 seniors and just fouling them off and then eventually getting a fastball and making good contact on it.
0: Yeah, the other thing that's kind of concerning, too, about the rotation is that Bieber hasn't looked great. Lately, he's been getting hit uh, a lot harder than he was at the beginning of the year. He's kind of a uh, tough guy to trust in a postseason situation, considering he's never really been in that situation before. Uh, So if you're forced to go to a guy like him to make big starts because Bowers hurt, I don't know that that really bodes well. I mean, Clevenger, I think we all can agree. Uh, We have some level of confidence in. Bieber, uh, not really sure. And he's not really a guy. I mean, he, he could be kind of the Josh Tom of 2016, I suppose, and kind of come out of nowhere and... And, uh, you know, he's got kind of the same command profile that, that Tomlin did when he was right. But uh, I don't know, Shill. Um, wh- what are you seeing here with this rotation here for the, for the postseason? Are we going to be okay?
1: Well, um, a lot of the advanced stats say that Beaver's kind of getting a little bit unlucky. If you look at – I don't want to even bore you with all the stats. But, I mean, that's why I made my earlier point where I really think if, if Bowers isn't ready to go, we're going through man rotation. And – Tito's done in the past, and he's not afraid to do it, especially now that he's got a couple couple new toys down there in the bullpen where he's not afraid to go fifth inning where he just goes Olsen, Simberhan, um, Allen, and and Miller, or even as early as the fourth, and try to scratch out a win if a a starter can only go three and a third or something like that. So um, I think Bieber's going to be a non-factor in the playoffs. um, If he is a factor, great, but... I, I really think he doesn't take the ball out of his hand, you know, if he makes a roster. i sure we'll get into that in future pods, what we see later on with the playoff roster, but I'm not counting a whole lot on Bieber at this point.
0: Martin, what have you seen from Andrew Miller since he's come back? Is he coming back closer to what we expect from him, or is he still a little iffy? I think he's still a little iffy, but the nice thing is there's plenty of time. Um, you know, it seems, it seems like his velocity is at least creeping back up to what it was, uh, you know, when he's been right
2: yeah I, I, that's what I was gonna say. I feel like right now he's not where you want him to be but I think that he's gotten better every outing and I think that hopefully you will continue to see you know the the velocity go up hopefully he continues to to throw strikes um you know, that was kind of one issue there when he right before he went down he was starting to walk guys a little bit um, you know obviously we'd like to see him continue to you know pound the zone get swings and misses
0: and uh you keep that velocity up but I think he's going in the right direction. Show you mentioned uh, Tito has some new toys. And one of those new toys that – and this is going to kind of shift gears here for us. One of those new toys is Yanni Diaz, who's come up and really hit the ball well since he's been with the big league club. And we know what he's done at AAA. He really doesn't have anything left to prove down, down there with Columbus. But uh, he's come up, and he's done well. I think he, he was the other day, at least still hitting over five hundred with the Indians. Um, so we were having this discussion offline today if there was a chance that Yandy Diaz could make the playoff roster. And the problem is that Yandy Diaz right now, they're not uh, really willing to try him out in the outfield, which is going to hinder him from making the playoff roster. Right now, uh, we know Leonis Martin is dealing with a very serious bacterial infection that was life-threatening, and there's really no guarantee that he'll be playing again this year. And then he'll join the likes of Zimmer and Chiz, Tyler Naquin, who are already hurt, so you're looking at guys like Rajay Davis, Greg Allen, and Melky Cabrera who are all going to make a playoff roster. And uh, really two of those three guys, along with Brandon Guy, two of those four guys are going to have to play two of the three outfield spots. So um, can you explain maybe why they're not giving Yandi a chance to play the outfield? Or, or is it a Francisco Mejia situation where he just doesn't want to play the outfield?
1: I don't think that's it. Um, I, I, and actually I have no idea he's he, – he's got to be in the outfield. We, we, that, the biggest thing that we're worried about in October is that bottom of the lineup, especially center-right field. And it's not like we have a bunch of plus defenders out there that just run all over the place. Geyer sinks in the outfield, and I can, I can go through the entire list.
0: God, we, Guyer last night was a train wreck uh, in right field. I mean, holy crap. And he was a defensive replacement. I well, mean, my goodness. It, And here's the thing. We threw Santana out there with no experience. We threw Kittness out there
1: with a couple starts on the outfield. I I, I don't understand our obsession with, well, he's a poor outfielder. You know, I I looked up his advanced stats from the 20 games he played in the outfield. I mean, that's not even a good sample size. And it's not like we're replacing him with, like, a Kevin Pillar who plays a decent center field. We'd be replacing him with, you know, someone who's already garbage in the outfield. So I have no idea why we don't want his bat, you know, hitting six, seventh in the lineup, kind of extend that out. Um, it makes
2: no sense to me. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't get it. I, I, I can't, I can't watch Greg Allen play anymore. I can't watch him ground to second base. It's just so
0: frustrating. How about um, watching off, him uh, bunt right ahead of the pitcher's spot with runner two on and nobody out? How about that? Is that good? Uh,
2: it's not, it's not an ideal uh, decision there. Um, but you know, that's the thing. It's, what, we're mid-August right now. This is the time to try some of those things, and it's kind of confusing why Frank Kona hasn't done that yet. But I would definitely like to see what Yandi can do and if he can be a difference maker, because I, I don't know if you guys have heard rumors or not. I haven't heard anything about no. them being potentially interested in outfielders or making any moves. I think this is our roster going into the playoffs.
0: Well, I did hear Antonetti say on the radio the other day when Hamilton had him on, that they have been active every day on the waiver wire, and they've, you know, they've they've seriously looked at some guys and just haven't, you know, made anything happen yet. So it sounds like they are looking, but as you said, we're past the midway point of August, and it's certainly looking like this is going to be the roster that we have. And and to your point, you know, we we have a 12 and a half game lead. What is there to lose? Okay, whether it's, you know, play Yandi. Uh, play Yandi at third, move Jose to second, move Kipnis to the outfield, or play Yandi in the outfield. Whatever it is, put somebody out there and try and make something happen and shuffle the deck a little bit because going into a postseason with Brandon Geyer and Melky platooning in right and Rajay and Greg Allen platooning in center or, or any combination of those four is a little bit frightening.
2: But let me ask you guys this. What's your, if you had to put like your ideal situation right now, like what you'd like to see them try? What what would it be like? What do you think the best hitting lineup they could put out there that would not be a complete train wreck defensively?
1: I would, it, it, but I'm I'm not sure how Yandi's been at third base. Um, I mean ideally offensively it'd be Yandi at third, move Jose at second, and um, you know move Kip to the outfield. I, I wanted to ask you ask you guys this as well. I'm hearing people talking about bringing up uh, Yandi and. Alonzo platooning at first. That makes no sense to me, I think. No. Do you guys agree with me? You want, you want Yonder to play every day? because I'm yes, that absolutely. I've heard people bring that up, and that, and that makes zero sense to me, it, to take Alonzo's bad out against lefties. He, he, he hasn't been – obviously, he's better um, against righties, but it has not been that poor against lefties that we're thinking about platooning Alonzo.
0: Well, and the other thing, too, with Kip in center is his arm sucks so bad. I mean – the Yankees just ran wild on him last year. I, I'm terrified of that happening again. I, I don't know. I, I just like to see him try Yandy in the outfield. D- just give him a chance to see what he can do. I mean, yeah, I, you've got nothing to lose at this point.
2: Yeah, I, you know, honestly, for the playoffs, if, the, if this is what the roster is going to look like, I'd rather them just play Rajay Davis in center field every day.
0: Yeah, I can't, I, like, I agree with you. I can't watch Greg Allen anymore. Yeah, I, I'd rather just you,
2: watch him center.
0: If it comes down to it, in a big spot, who would you rather have in the outfield and at the plate? You'd rather have Rajay, period.
2: No, no question. At least you know that you know he's going to make the right decisions on the base pads. He'll bump when he's supposed to. Um, he plays a good center field. I'd rather just play a veteran in that situation. Greg Allen's not going to give you anything in the playoffs. He's going to be what Tyler Naquin was during the playoff run two years ago. He's, he's going to be an automatic out, basically like hitting the pitcher.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, Melky's been hitting the ball a little bit lately, but, man, in the outfield, he's terrible. So it's – it's a, it's, it's a problem. It's a problem, and the Indians have, you know, the rest of the month to, to try and figure something out. Uh, the division is a foregone conclusion, as we've known for a while. So I'd like to see him, you know, shuffle some things up, take some chances, but, uh, you know, we'll see what Terry Francona comes up with here these last six weeks. Um, let's take a, a look around the rest of the league here before we uh, turn it over to some other things. Let's start with the American League, and um, – When we last were on the air two weeks ago, the Red Sox and the Yankees, uh, we knew they had a a four-game series coming up. The Red Sox were, I think, were ahead by six or seven games at that point in time. Uh, They took three out of four from the Yankees in that series, and they currently lead the division by ten and a half games, as we sit here and record right now, ten games in the loss column. So it would certainly appear that the American League East all of a sudden is about wrapped up. And I I think we talked last pod that we were looking forward to a Red Sox-Yankees kind of old school down-to-the-wire battle, and that does not look like it's going to happen, unfortunately, for me because I have a Yankees to win the uh, East ticket from the All-Star break that is going to be a urinal cake here soon. Uh, Schillig, your thoughts on the Red Sox and what they've been able to do. Currently sitting 50 games over 500.
1: I mean, obviously they've been playing well. Here's my thing with them: they're always coming from behind. Yeah. I'm just curious when they come into a series against Oakland, you know, get behind two nothing, and then Oakland turns it over the bullpen, or you know, even against a Tribe or something like that, where maybe their luck runs out, where you know they're down five nothing in the fifth, and they don't come back for once. I, I that's where I'm at with them. I'm. I'm not afraid to play them. I'm not totally sold on to them, even though their record's unreal. Um, I still have questions about the bottom of the lineup, even though they score so many runs. And outside of Sale, you know, in, in, in Kimbrel, I'm kind of – I mean, they're
0: really good. I, I, I know this might be sound like a hot take that I'm not totally sold no, on to Sox, But I, that's kind I, of where I'm at. I mean, who, who scares you in their rotation other than Sale?
1: Yeah, nobody. And,
0: and we hit Sale traditionally. I mean – I'm not saying we're going to rock them in the playoffs, but I, here's my thing with Boston, and, and maybe I know Martine's thoughts on it because I heard him screaming about it last weekend, but I, I want them to win as many games as they can in the regular season because that's only going to put the, the, the pressure that much more squarely on them in the postseason. I, I think back to last year and what the Indians went through in September, winning those 22 games in a row. That is an unbelievable accomplishment, but – that doesn't help you once you get into October. All that does is create a little bit more pressure to go out and replicate that. And the Red Sox are going to win 110 games or whatever it's going to be, and that's going to be a great accomplishment. But that stands alone from the postseason. The postseason is such a crapshoot. It's such a different animal than a 162-game season that you know the, all those wins that they're banking right now aren't going to help them in October. Um, so, Martine, I don't know if you agree with that, disagree. I know you like them. I mean, it's, uh, like Schillick said, it's a hot take to say they're not – we all know they're they're a great team. But well, in, in a five-game series, I'd love to play them.
2: Well, first thing is actually not to not to be this guy, but they actually swept the Yankees in that four-game series.
0: Oh, you're right. Uh, they, you're right. My bad. Right. Behind on Sunday well, I, night. For, I forgot that I went to bed on the Sunday night game, and they were up, you know, whatever it was, and, it, and the Yankees were – and of course, the Red Sox came back. So, yeah,
2: that was a tough beat for Tweety Dimes. Um, but uh, the, the, you know, the big thing with the Red Sox is is they they need good starting pitching in the playoffs. If they get good, start, if they can get six to seven innings out of starters, they'll be fine. It's the games where Porcello gets knocked out in the fourth or fifth, or they can't do what the Indians can do. They can't let Clevenger, you know, like Clevenger can go four innings, and if he's not right or whatever, and it's a two-one game, we can go to the bullpen and probably be okay. They don't have that luxury because their pull-bend's not as deep as ours. Now, if Evaldi goes into the bullpen, that's great, but since the last time we talked, he got hammered in the start in between, uh, in between the last time that we talked. So that's the biggest thing. If they lost last night, guy, guy, too,
0: I believe. What's that? They lost last night, too, I believe.
2: Yeah, so th- that's the biggest thing. I think Sale's a seven-inning guy. I think Porcello's an innings eater. I think David Price is an innings eater. So if those guys can throw six or seven innings, they don't need a super strong bridge cuz they're not going to have to utilize it as much as like the Indians are going to have to do or the Oakland Athletics are going to have to do because their rotation just doesn't have the 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 stuff to go through a playoff lineup to turn it over for a third time. So that that that, that could be their kryptonite, but the nice thing for them, if Porcello does give up 5 runs in 4 innings, they can hit their way back in it, like she said, but you know typically pitching's better in the playoffs. You got better bullpens, so It'll be interesting, but I think that could be the one thing that takes them down is just the, if, if they don't get the longevity in their starting pitching that they're going to need.
0: How does team in baseball right now It's probably the Oakland A's. And they yeah, have, they, they have, yeah, they have run away from Seattle. I shouldn't say run away. They, they now lead Seattle by two and a half games. Uh, the A's are within two of the Astros, and they start a series in Oakland tomorrow against one another, so that's going to be something to watch this weekend coming up, the A's and the Astros. Um, The the A's have kind of separated themselves from the pack as definitely a favorite to make the playoffs to win that wild card spot. And the crazy thing is, you know, the Astros have come back to the pack a little bit here, and the the A's, you know, it's not likely that they'll catch Houston, but they're within striking distance, two games out. They're within striking distance of the Yankees to host the wild card spot. They're currently three games behind them. And the Indians, for you know all their you know, struggles earlier in the year, are just four and a half behind Houston for home field between those two. And with the, with, with the schedule the Indians have against the Central Division in the last six weeks, it's not a foregone conclusion, although not likely, but not a foregone conclusion that the Indians can't run Houston down and get home field in that matchup in the first round of the ALDS too. So, Schill, um, your thoughts on the A's and the AL West and wild card situation.
1: I was going to attack on your point there, where um, look at the Indians' schedule the rest of the year. I think they have seven with the Red Sox, and then the second best team they're going to play. You can argue the Twins or the uh, Twins or the Rays. So that catching the Astros is now the question, like you said, not likely. Um, I think the A's keep running away with it. Seattle's hit that bump. Paxton's on the DL. Um, I'm sure we're going to touch on some injuries here around the league that are really affecting it, but that Paxton one could be huge as well. We said it before, I really think Seattle, or sorry, uh, Oakland runs away with it, and Seattle might Seattle might be done.
0: Seattle, 70-52, minus 22, run differential, Martin.
2: Yeah, it's unbelievable. The, only, the big thing with the Astros is they're just not healthy right now. Uh, Tube's on the DL, Springer's on the DL, Craig just came back from the DL, so they're batting. their batting order hasn't exactly been at full strength. So once those guys get back, I anticipate that they'll kind of begin to pull away a little bit from the A's, but... It is kind of fun to see Oakland make it interesting. And obviously, they're going to have several meetings here down the stretch where Oakland have an opportunity to make it as interesting as possible. But you got, like you said, they got four teams in that division that are over 500. And the Texas Rangers are hitting the ball right now. So they're not even necessarily an easy out, especially in Texas where the ball flies out of that stadium. So it should be a lot of fun. Seattle's kind of in a free fall right now. They're, they completely like, re-overhauled their lineup. They're leading off Mitch Hanninger now. D. Gordon's batting ninth. Now Cano's back, so we'll kind of see that dynamic. Yeah, did you see where he was playing? Uh, no, I did not. First base. Yeah, I heard that they were going to split him and Healy a little bit. So we'll have to kind of see what happens there. So it'll be interesting, but I think once Houston gets healthy, they'll be all right.
0: Over in the National League, things are much more interesting, really, because there's many more teams that are uh, still alive. Um the, well, one team that's not alive right now is the Washington Nationals. They talk about a free fall. Have lost four in a row, starting with that Sunday night game against the Cubs where they led 3 nothing, and David Bodie, of all people, hit a grand slam to end the game at Wrigley to steal that game from the Nationals, and they've gone to St. Louis and are on the verge of being swept in that series against the Cardinals uh, right now as we speak. So... The Nationals, despite their plus sixty-five run differential, are under five hundred. They're nine games off the pace in the National League East. That ticket is another one that I'll be ripping up and throwing away. Um, show, are the Nationals dead?
1: Yes. Yeah. We. I'm gonna eat some crow because I believe two weeks ago I said that the Nets can probably win the win the East and that the Dodgers were the best team in the. NL and now we see the NL is an absolute crapshoot. Um, they are both teams are really hurt, especially you've seen late this week with uh, the injuries to Doolittle and uh, Kenley Jansen. So yeah, yeah, the Nats are definitely done, um, and I'm sure going to get in this. The NL is an absolute crapshoot. I think. Let me look here. There's eight teams within five and a half games of the of the top spot, and they all have flaws. Every single one of them. Uh, Cubs starting pitching. I can just go right down the line. Even though the Cubs had the best record in the NL, um, so unlike the AL where there's a couple intriguing spots, this NL is wide open here. Uh, these last couple months of the season.
2: Yeah, the, the Nets are done, and I said on the last pod that I really like the Phillies, and Atlanta's kind of overtaken them. Man, they're fun. I hope. The,
0: I, you know, I'm, I hope the Braves make the playoffs because that team's a lot of fun. Speaking of the Braves, and I don't want to get into too many hot takes here, but what do you guys make of what you saw last night between Jose Urania and Ronald Acuna?
2: I do not agree with Keith Hernandez.
0: Uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, so if you guys didn't see this, Keith Hernandez uh, <laughs> on the air, which he's been known to do, just basically said, "Yeah, you know, he's hit you know four home runs in, in, in as many nights. He needs to be hit. You know, you just gotta. You, you know, it's, no one's gonna like me saying that, but." He's got to be hit. Somebody's got to knock him down, and uh, that would be what you would call an old school take, right, Martin?
2: Yeah, that's probably the definition of. So I thought it was ridiculous, and you know, you, you know, we can get into a whole thing on unwritten rules in baseball. But I mean, it's you know, I, I get that people are mad that he was pimping his home runs and whatever, but I thought it was ridiculous.
1: And did you guys see today? Um, news came out. He's uh, Jose Urena is going to be suspended for six games.
0: Yeah, one so, start. Cool.
1: Yeah, so he gets to you know get a couple days rest before um, you know he gets to make his normal well, start. Well, technically so.
0: he he missed two starts because he got tossed immediately after that after that pitch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's my thing. It, it, if you are going to make a stand on this, this is the time to do it. That the the, the, <laughs> the Marlins suck, and if there is any time to you know drop a twenty game or something like this, to maybe no. cut this crap you know, this is time
0: to do it. No, Rob Manfred's cool with that, people throwing at each other and, and, you know, almost breaking bones uh, for teams that are in playoff races. But defensive shifting and, you know, three-and-a-half-hour games, we can't have that. All about priorities, Reggie, all about priorities. Yep. Well, let's talk about the NL West for a second here. The Dodgers, as Sheldon just mentioned, have kind of fallen off the pace. Uh, They are currently uh, one-and-a-half games off the pace in the division. They are uh, tied with the Rockies right now in the wild-card chase. Haven't been playing well. Kenley Jansen's got a heart issue. He's been out, and the back end of their bullpen subsequently has been awful. Um, So, Martine, we just heard Shiloh's kind of mea culpa there with the Dodgers, but I know you liked Arizona from the get-go in this division. Um, Do you think uh, it's theirs to lose at this point?
2: Obviously, it's really tight, but I still think they're the best team. And it's been interesting to see what the Dodgers have done over, since we last talked, and really since the trade deadline. Because I mentioned before with mixing up lineups and how with the Nationals last time, and how difficult that could be for you know guys' rhythm and whatnot. The Dodgers are playing their lineup is totally different every night too. I mean, the you could make an argument their best hitter in the first half was Max Muncie. He's not even playing anymore. Brian Dozier's been floating around the batting order a little bit. He's been batting first. He's been batting fifth. They're moving Justin Turner around. Um, they're mixing in. You know, they're trying to get Puig and Jack Peterson. It's just, and they just they haven't really found a lot of rhythm. I think that guys being in and out of the lineup a little bit. Baseball is a game where you can get really hot and really cold, and you can get streaky. But if you're playing every other day or two out of three games or four out of six games or whatever. It can be tough, and I think that's what the Dodgers are battling right now. It's the same thing that the Brewers are battling. They're doing the same thing with Scope and Travis Shaw and Moustakis, and those guys are in and out of the lineup. So it'll be interesting. The Dodgers also, um, you know, it looks like Kershaw's back, but they have battled some injuries like you just mentioned with Kenley Jansen too. The back half, their bullpen's been terrible since he went down. Um, I still think Arizona is solid from top to bottom.
0: How about what the Cardinals have done, uh, winning eight in a row? It looks like they're going to lose tonight, actually. They're down 5-1 to the Nationals. But eight in a row, they've they put themselves r- right back in the thick of things, not in, only in the Central Division, but their half came out of the wild card right now behind the Phillies. Shiloh, can you see this continuing for the Cardinals? Do they, do they have a real chance at this thing? And, and how much do you think the managerial change maybe played into this little run that they're having here?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to like their lineup and how hot they are right now, especially uh, Martine's favorite there, uh, Matt Carpenter, has just been in fuego. Um, I was going to bring up that you know, how tight it is, and, you know, the Brewers' bullpen looks struggling. They haven't been as hot as they have been. And the Cards and Rockies aren't dead, so um, I really like the Cards lineup. It's whether they get enough quality starts from their three, four guys there. Um, and here's the thing with the Rockies. I think they're dead, but I mean, that, if the, if they figure out the bullpen, which they haven't all year and it's a disaster, even know, they spent so much money on it. But, uh, I mean, national league is going to be super, super fun here as we get on the stretch.
0: Yeah. I mean, you say that about the Rockies, they're a game and a half out in the division. They're two games out in the wild card. I mean, it's, it's nuts right now in the, in the national league. There's, There's three teams behind the Phillies that are within two games. Uh, Pittsburgh's kind of fallen off a little bit. They're now five and a half games out after they kind of got hot for a little while. But, uh, yeah, the National League is going to come right down to the wire in in several different areas. Um, But we all agree that the Brewers are probably not going to run down the Cubs and they're going to end up being one of those two wild card teams.
2: Yeah, I think so. I, I, I Honestly, if I, you made me pick right now between Milwaukee and St. Louis, I I, I think St. Louis has a better shot at doing it than Milwaukee does. Yeah,
0: it's interesting. We, I don't think anybody would have said that a month ago.
1: No, I totally agree with that as well. If you look at the last 30 games here, two hottest teams in the National League, the Cardinals are 19-11, the Rockies are 18-12. Everyone else is floating around 500. So I know it's not a huge sample size 30 games in baseball, but I, I'm not counting the cards of the Rockies out right
0: now. Uh, okay. I do want to spend some time on this because I know you both have takes on it. I have takes on it. Uh, the All-Star Game was in D.C. Uh, two, three weeks ago. Uh, and if you follow baseball on a daily basis like we do, and you listen to you know, podcasts and you listen to radio, people who ac- actually talk baseball, which there's not too many people who do on the radio, uh, it's basically like you know, a celebration of baseball, for that, you know, those three days, and it's also a you know kind of state of baseball. What's wrong with baseball? Type uh, week where all those discussions kind of get 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 tossed around, and uh, there's a lot of discussion about that since there's not an actual baseball going on. So, uh, before we get to that, let's talk about the All Star Game itself, which the American League won again in D.C. Uh, I know Martine and I were into it. Schillig, were you into it? Did you watch the game? Um, does it interest you, or are you one of those people that just doesn't care about it? No, I, I mean, I get into that. And I'm
1: sure we might talk, on the, talk about the Home Run Derby here. Of all the All-Star games, it's the best. The NHL tries to play around with this skills competition. The NBA's is, is a joke. You know, over-unders, 320 every year. Um, we will not even talk about the NFL because I don't think anybody watches that. Um, yeah, I, I'm so into it. I love the in-game interviews. A um, little different feel or whatnot, you know, make, makes people more, You know, makes a lot of those players feel a little more realistic. I know I hated, I thought Bryce Harper was always a jerk. I believe last year they had him mic'd up out in the right field, and I just, he just seemed like a more real guy. So the in game interviews, the fact that it's the most real. Game close to the regular season of all, all four professional sports, um, yeah, I'm always into it.
0: I agree. I agree. There, there's so okay. many people who kind of downplay the All-Star game, and I actually did like when they had home field on it, even though I know that's probably not the best way to decide home field. But even, even though there's nothing on the game, and now it's just an exhibition, I still watch it. And I, 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 every year I tell myself that I'm not going to watch it, and I sit down and watch it, and you know, I, I do have to give Fox credit. Like you said, they've done an outstanding job of making it interesting. If you sit down and watch it, and you 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 know um, get to experience these guys mic'd up and getting interviewed during live action, Lindor was awesome. Uh, his interview during the the one inning where and he actually caught a pop up to end the inning uh, while he's being interviewed. It was just really cool. You get to see these guys um, or hear these guys in, in a little bit of a different context, uh, but they're still playing to win. They're still playing hard. Um, and uh, it's not so much the aspect of getting to see, you know, Scherzer against the AL hitters or whatever, because you see that all the time in, Amer- in the interleague, anyways. Um, but you just get to get a different feel uh, and a different perspective of the game that you don't get to have, because obviously Fox would never do that kind of stuff in the regular season. Uh, Martina, I know you're really into it. We were texting back and forth about how glue- glued we were into the game. Um, your thoughts on the All Star Game, Home Run Derby, all that uh, festive, all those festivities going on in DC.
2: I you know, I think the biggest thing for me is you guys kind of talked about how the, the NFL and, and the NBA All Star games are kind of a joke. And even though it's kind of an exhibition, it's kind of hard to dog it on one side. You know, like on the NBA no one plays any defense. So guys just go down the lane and dunk every time. And in the NFL, there's not a lot of tackling and the you know the guys make big plays and you know it's more offensive based. Guys are still trying to catch fly balls and hit home runs and pitchers are still trying to get guys out. So you're still getting a chance to see the best players in the world Try. Um, and I think that's the cool part about it. Obviously, the mic'd up part was really cool. And getting to hear those guys talk and, and all that um, was really neat. So um, I loved it. I didn't watch the Home Run Derby, but I read a lot of stuff online. I was following on Twitter a little bit. And just, you know, when you guys were talking in our group chat, um, it sounds like that was a really cool thing, too. I do like I watched a little bit more last year. But I do like the new format and the head-to-head stuff. I think it's a really they've done a good job of making that a relevant thing.
0: Yeah, I agree. Totally. The, the 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 time format and the bracketing has made that event uh, much more enjoyable. It moves quicker. There's a pace to it. Um, guys don't get tired when they go through the first round anymore because once they win, it's over. They don't have to keep hitting home run after home run. Um, it, it's, it's a really, really good event. Now, I don't even watch the other three all-star games. I don't watch the NHL. I don't watch the NBA. I don't watch the NFL. Obviously, the Pro Bowl sucks. No one watches it. So, um, yeah, it's by far the best. Um, people want to, you know, throw dirt on it and, and say that it's lost its luster or whatever. It's still the best All-Star game by far. It's still a great celebration of the game. And that, that kind of leads us into, or Martine has takes about all this stuff because he's on Twitter about it all the time, about the state of the game and the kind of get-off-my-lawn attitude about baseball. Uh, and you hear this a lot, especially during All-Star Week, about how baseball is broken and we need to fix it. I mean are you guys buying any of this stuff about pace of play or shifting I mean is baseball in need of any kind of changes at this point or, or are we just hearing this narrative being thrown about from older people in the media who are kind of sick of the way baseball is now what do you what do you think chill
1: um, I think the issue with baseball is the fan base um, i I jokingly say this tongue-in-cheek that baseball played on the spreadsheet, so the fact that um, probably 95% of America doesn't understand math and all they look at it is batting average uh, aggravates me. The whole pace of play thing, like, you know, if you don't want to sit outside and, and enjoy the game, and I know the three of us are huge baseball fans, get off my lawn kind of people, but – the pace of play. And have any of you been to a minor league game? I, I, I don't know what level they're experiment, experimenting I, I, I have, they're I with. I With the pitch clock, I mean, do you even notice it? Does it actually do speed it up? I mean, I, it, I'm not it, too worried about it. it, it
0: but. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I'm echoing here, so I'm going to stop. Okay. I think I'm better now. You're I, good. I have been to a minor league game. I went to an a Akron rubber, a rubber Ducks game earlier this year. They do have a pitch clock. You don't notice it. I don't care if they put a pitch clock in on the major league level. I don't think it's going to affect anything whatsoever. It might help move the game along, um, and that's fine. You know, the three of us are probably not the right sort of people to have this conversation, and but we're going to give our takes anyways because I don't think there's really anything wrong with the game. You know, people say that the game is boring, and Tom Verducci had this stat about there's three minutes and forty five seconds between action. Well. That factors in, he's factoring in balls in play, okay? So this is one of the things that always drives me up a wall. Balls in play are balls that are not, you know, events that are not walks, strikeouts, or home runs. So you're taking the home runs and counting that as an event that people don't enjoy. Do you think people would rather see, like, ground outs to short and second versus home runs? Like, people won't see home runs. Like, there's, there's still scoring going on in the game. People are hitting balls farther than ever. Yeah, they're striking out more. But they're also hitting dingers, so people are into that. Um, so th- that's one of the things that always drives me crazy about how you know there's no action in the game. Well, yeah, there is. I mean, there was a, a historic number of home runs hit last year, and, uh, and-, and people seem to be into it. Now, the attendance is down 6% this year. In my opinion, that has more to do with a couple of outliers. The Miami Marlins, do you guys know what they're drawing per game? Did you guys have a <laughs> look at that?
2: Well, whatever they're saying they're drawing, there's about a quarter of that. Their
0: their paid attendance per game, per home date, is 9,809. 9,800. So do you think that maybe has to do with the fact that overall the baseball attendance is down 6%? Tampa Bay Rays, what do you think their attendance is on a a game-by-game basis average? Around 10. (laughs) 14,947. And they're they're actually, actually a pretty good team. Oakland drawing under 18000 So you have a few outliers there. You still have, in baseball, 12 teams drawing over 30000 and a couple more right below that per game. So I get the 6% dip. I'm not buying it that baseball is broken. And, uh, people, the reason people aren't going to the park is that it's too expensive because it's not. It's the cheapest sport by far or that it's boring because it's not. People don't want to see ground balls a second. They want to see people hit bombs and guys throw 100 miles an hour. That's what they want to see. Am I wrong here, Martine?
2: No. And here's the reality of it. I guess I'm just, this might, This analogy may be way off, but I'm, I'm going to kind of dip into your second piece here when you talked about shifting a little bit in balls and balls in play. Forts in general are countering what the opponent does to you, correct? Correct. So, you know, if a team, for basketball, if, if a guy can't go and he's left then you force him to his right hand. You force people to their weaknesses. That's what shifts are. This guy pulls the ball every single time. So we're going to put three guys on the right side of second base. The reality of it is the right baseball, the reason that baseball is the way it is right now is people are deciding to combat that by trying to hit the ball over the ship, which is why you're seeing the fly ball ball revolution, which is why you're seeing more strikeouts because guys are trying to hit the ball over it. Okay, So at some point People are adjusting to that, and they will continue to adjust to that. I would guess within the next five, six years, we might see more complete hitters, guys that may be going the opposite way anymore and learning to hit all you know, all angles of the field, which by the way, was a really big deal for hitters. What, 10 years ago, you wanted guys to hit the ball all over the plate. Look at Juan Soto right now, the Nationals, hits the ball almost evenly to all three fields. Guys are going to figure out how to beat it, and then all of a sudden the shifts won't be as drastic. But you watch the shifts. We watch games. How often do people hit the ball into the shift? A lot. Of, of the time. It's smart baseball. If you know what someone's going to do, then you might as well align your defense to defend it. I, I just, I don't understand why people want to take that away. I just can't imagine if I was someone that was coaching a sport and they told me, you know, if you're a basketball coach, you can't scout. You just go out there and play open gym and see who wins. That That's not – that takes a big aspect out of it. And some people have decided to embrace that part of it, and some people have decided not to. But it is intelligence; it's smart. People are collecting information. D- do I think that analytics should drive every decision in baseball? No, but do I think it helps? Absolutely. And if it helps, it should be used. And that's what I don't understand. You're trying to tell people to ignore stuff, ignore information that is going to give you a competitive advantage.
0: But and Luke, that's what it's but, all about. But Martin, those ground balls into the ship—those could be base hits, wouldn't that be more exciting? Oh, cool. I want to watch Joey Gallo bunt. That'd be awesome. Yeah, well, that's the thing. People are like, well, these hitters, they haven't adjusted to the ship. Well, yeah, they have. They've adjusted by trying to hit home runs. That's been their adjustment. So either you're going to, these analytics guys or these front officers are going to look at the data and say, okay, this is working or it's not. they They have obviously decided and Daniel Murphy had great quotes on this. And I know Martine, you pointed this out to us in a, in a text or maybe even on Twitter. Daniel Murphy said, basically broke it down, saying it's much more difficult for teams with the level of pitcher that you're facing now on a night in, night out basis with guys coming out of the bullpen throwing 100. It's harder to get three hits, three singles in an inning than it is trying to hit one over the fence. That's why they're trying to hit the ball over the shift. So I agree 100% with what you said, Martine. I'm behind you all the way with your opinion on that. Now show your thoughts on what Martine had to say there.
1: No, I I absolutely agree with that. I mean, I was going to bring up Joe Gallo. I mean, the, the shifts he get are just comical. Just hit the ball in the left field then. You know, dip your shoulder down and do that. And uh, to to go back to the pace play thing, NFL's king, always will be, mainly because of fantasy and gambling. I can watch from snap to snap an NFL game in 12 minutes. Right. Right. So, I mean, it, how's that any different than – a baseball game. So, I mean that—that—that's where I'm at on that.
0: I just—I just hate the idea. The thing that drives me crazy about the state of baseball is when when people start talking about, and our commissioner starts talking about um, the need to make changes to the game, because the game has been the game basically for what 140 years, 130 years, and mm-hmm. throughout that period of time, there's been all kinds of cycles, all kinds of trends. And we haven't adjusted the rules because the players have sorted those things out on their own. Why are we trying to adjust to something that's cyclical? This is going to be fixed by the players. They're going to figure out other ways to beat the ship But like Martine said, we'll see more complete hitters in the future who can hit the ball to all fields. P- teams are going to start to realize that left-handed power hitters that can only pull the ball and hit 170 and you know hit for 20 home runs and. 50 RBIs aren't aren't that valuable. Look at Chris Davis' stats, okay? Chris Davis is going to be out of the league soon because he can't hit, okay? Guys are going to start making adjustments. So I can't stand when people want to fix the game that's not broken and start making all these changes to the rules. You want to put a pitch clock in because they can help pace the play? Fine. You want to limit mountain visits? Fine. Don't change the rules of the game. And the one that drives me the most crazy is when I hear ideas about starting a runner at second base and extra innings. I just, I, I just want to go punch myself, punch my head against the wall.
2: Yeah. The, the extra innings rule is absolutely outrageous. I mean, it really is. It drives me crazy. I, I hate it. Um, and I, sometimes I feel like there are so many, the, the, the thing that makes baseball so great is obviously when you look at TV ratings and, People within their within their teams, you know, area support that team. Typically, you usually get very good ratings, TV ratings, in most local yep. most local area when it comes to sports. When it comes to baseball, baseball fans are different than any other fan because baseball is a difficult game to understand and to really know because people aren't around it as much as they are football and basketball. And we talked about this the one day. I, the best thing my baseball fans is the pure baseball fan. You're going to turn off the people that truly love the game by making all these changes. You're going to lose that fan base. And that's the fan base you don't want to lose. That's the fan base that's been your season ticket holder for 15, 20 years. I and mean, you look at our group, we've been doing it for what, eight, nine years, however long it's been. And we probably won't stop. But if you start making all these changes, you're going to start turning off those people. And I, I don't really think you're going to see nine year olds go, Oh man, Everyone's playing their regular positions like they did 15 years ago. I want to start going to baseball games. and That's not going to change it. No, People don't have to appreciate the beauty of the game that it's played now. You can't change it in a way that's going to have this drastic positive change that people really think is going to happen.
0: Well, you just hit on a couple of uh, really good points. Number one, regional television rings are are still and have always been strong in baseball. Uh, It's not as much a national sport on the television side during the regular season. Why? Because there's more games on national TV now than ever before. It used to be there's like one or two games on a week, and that was kind of an appointment television for people because that's the only time they get to see baseball. You see baseball all day, every day now. I mean, I'm looking at three games in my basement right now. They're, it's on all the time. So when there's national TV games, quote-unquote, on Fox every weekend, you're not going to get... You know, NFL-type NFL ratings when there's one game a week. You're not going to be able to compete with that. The second thing is, when you talk about attendance, look at the way baseball is structured now in terms of the haves and have-nots. In the American League, you have three teams that are basically historically bad at the same time. The White Sox, the Royals, and the Orioles are all awful. We're talking 30-plus games under 500 already with two months to go. They're not going to get a lot of fans of their games, Okay. But that, those teams, those front offices have made a decision that that's the best way to kind of rebuild their franchises by bottoming out and starting over. It worked for the Astros five years ago. The Royals just won a World Series three years ago. They're starting over. It's going to happen. So that's going to drive your attendance numbers down as well. But overall, like Martine said, you're going to turn off the hardcore fan and, and cater to, you know, Joe, sports fan who only uh, knows the NFL and uh, maybe a little bit of college football and wants to t- uh, talk about NBA trades in, in July and August. That's who you're catering to right now. So it basi- basically what I'm getting at here, Show, is baseball is not really in the national conversation throughout the year. And to me, I don't care it doesn't bother me that baseball is not on ESPN because I don't want to hear what those people have to say about baseball anyways. It's become sort of a niche sport, and that's okay with me. What do you think about that?
1: No, I totally agree with that. And we see that on the local level as well where, you know, local radar on here, it, it's embarrassing. The baseball coverage is is just a joke where half people that have a microphone in front of their face, they couldn't name you five White Sox right now. There's no chance. So um, I'm fine with it being a niche sport, um, but, you know, just as you guys have said before, don't change the game. It'll all, It's all cynical. It'll work itself out, um, and I'm fine with it being in the sport.
0: And, and we can have our opinions all we want, but here's the problem. The people in New York City, the suits of MLB, Rob Manfred, and everybody that works for him, they they can't think the way we think. They have to think about it in terms of, you know, how can we get, more eyeballs on our product. That's what they're thinking about. So everything that we're saying right now uh, about it being a niche sport and that's fine. They are going to completely go the opposite way and that really really worries me about the product that we're going to see because if you know, the NBA is popular, really really popular, especially with younger the younger generation. You're telling me that product is good. No, the NBA is popular because of the drama that it creates off the court more than it does on the court. That's what I'm worried about if the baseball you know, starts going in in a direction that kind of runs counter to the way the game's been played for the last 130 years. I know you're a big NBA fan, right, uh, Martin?
2: Huge fan. And honestly, you probably should watch what you're saying because we all know how big of an NBA fan Shill is.
0: Yes, so, you're right. You don't offend him. Get out of here. Right. <laughs> We're done. Yeah. <laughs> Any other takes on the state of baseball, fellas? Before we wrap this up,
2: I think I said my piece.
0: Uh, yeah, the game's not broken. The game is fine. I, uh, you know, it's still it's still the best sport out there. In, in our humble opinion, it's the best sport to watch. I don't care what anybody says. It's not boring. If it's boring, you know, go watch it. Go watch the NBA. Go watch the NFL. Have at it. Um, there'll be more room uh, at the park for all of us. More beer. All that good stuff. All right, so before we sign off here, I just want to look ahead to the next couple of weeks. Um, like, as you guys know from the last time we did this, we try to do this on Indians' off days. They're off today. Uh, just got back from, um, God, oh, yeah, Cincinnati, where we swept the Reds and uh, won the Ohio Cup, which is an uh, all important trophy. Um, <laughs> the Indians have a four game series in Boston starting on Monday, and that's sandwiched in between a three gamer this weekend at home. Uh, with the Orioles, and three games after that with the Royals. So they have the two worst teams in baseball around a four-game series in Boston. So an interesting little uh, segment here for the Indians before we're we're back uh, on the air on the 27th, on their next off day. Um, It'll be fun to see the Indians go into Fenway and battle a team that's playing as well as Boston is right now and to kind of see where they med- how they measure up. I, mean, I kind of wish Boston was playing for something a little bit more uh, right now. It kind of seems like they're on cruise control, but, you know, the Indians are kind of in the same boat. So uh, I know I have tickets Friday and Saturday this weekend. Either of you guys heading up to uh, Progressive Field this weekend? Mine are done. My five games are done. Oof.
1: Oh, I can't buy any, huh?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's probably sold out this weekend. It's, it's Jim Tomey Hall of Fame weekend. So oh, I, I'm out.
1: I'm
0: out. <laughs> next pod, I'll have, uh, I'll have uh, Tom Glissman come on and uh, give us some hot takes on Jim Tomey's Hall of Fame candidacy and whether or not he should have a statue. <laughs> uh, anything else you guys are looking for? Uh, big series, we already talked about the, the A's and the Astros this weekend. Anything else you're looking for kind of league-wide over these next couple weeks, 10 days?
2: Uh, it'll be interesting to see if the NL starts to spread itself out at all, if there's any teams that you know, go cold, or um, you know, kind of like Pittsburgh's done since the last time we talked. But it'll be fun to see how that all plays out. Obviously, with so many teams in it, there's going to be matchups within the cluster. So it'll be fun to see if anything kind of clears itself out as we go along.
1: A couple teams I want to mention here. Um, Seattle, they face the Dodgers, Astros, D-backs um cards are facing the brewers and dodgers and rockies and then like i just mentioned the dodgers face seattle and the cardinals so those are three teams there that can uh you know make some great around here especially in the national league where it's jam packed and then seattle can possibly get back in with oakland or you know try to make a run here so those are three teams there that are have some interesting matchups here this next week and a half before we uh, have another
0: pod Something else about that uh, Indians-Red Sox series that's Monday through Thursday next week. It looks like the Indians are going to avoid uh, sale in that series. Right now it looks like it's going to be Kluber and Porcello on Monday, Bieber, Evaldi on Tuesday, Carrasco and Johnson on Wednesday, and Plutko and Price on Thursday. So no sale uh, from the looks of things right now.
1: Uh, can't hate that. Uh, I'd rather get another look at him. I don't know. What do you guys feel? I'd rather, I'd rather see him.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think the, most of our guys are probably in a good frame of mind facing him anyway. But yeah, I don't nah. know. I just thought that was interesting. I don't know if it's good one way or another, but I just thought that was interesting that they won't be won't be seeing uh, Sale in that series.
2: Hey, one more thing before we sign off. I just want to give the New York Mets some credit after getting their butt kicked before our last pod. They put up 24 runs today. Good for them.
0: Yeah, and and they they actually jumped out on the Phillies. They're really two nothing in game two, but they're down six two right now. So. Uh, yeah, so, uh, okay, so the next time we plan on getting together here is August 27th. That's a Monday, Uh, and uh, we'll have a pretty good idea by then if we're going to be changing our roster at all, and we'll be looking ahead to some September call-ups and kind of previewing that last month of the season. So uh, until then, guys, it's been great catching up, talking some baseball, and uh, go Tribe, and uh, we'll talk to you again in a couple weeks. Take care, fellas.